Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode number 100 on 22nd January 2009. Well, hello James, how are you doing? I'm very well Ian, good to be with you here on and the couch. This is On The Couch episode number 100. 100. And where's our telegram from the Queen? <laughs> That's what I, I, I think say. the Queen needs to say congratulations James and Ian for 100 100 on the couch podcast, podcast which is amazing and we still haven't oiled the chairs <laughs> they're still a bit squeaky squeaky springs well, at least yours are squeaky yeah, yeah. anyhow <laughs> we're not here to talk about <laughs> squeaky, squeaky springs chairs. or reminisce about the past but it is quite amazing two and a half years congratulations us yes and congratulations for anyone that's still listening, listening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly well done you um do keep the old feedback coming we love to get it any questions suggestions or Telling us we're completely wrong, which is... Um, feedback at on the couch podcast. We should get more of the completely wrong things, really, but feedback at on the couch podcast.com. Indeed. So, fabulous. We're going to talk to you, as usual... About what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment technology. And we've got, you know, business, we've got a little bit of technology kind of news-ish. Content delivery. Mm-hmm. Gaming, mobile, and... Um, other stuff. Other crazy stuff. stuff yeah. And we actually, over the last you know, the 100 episodes, we haven't... We haven't changed the format very much. We did used yeah. to we used to have an international section, yeah, you know, UK and international, but we kind of kind of merged, merged that around. But if anyone's got any suggestions for the next one hundred mm. about a topic that definitely. they think is up and coming and should be definitely covered every every week or weekish, I should mm-hmm. say, um, and weekly, um, we will uh, we'll take it on board. So do keep those suggestions coming. In. But without further ado, let's get cracking. Indeedy. So uh, what's been happening in the world of business, James? Uh, well, a lot of businesses have been losing money, <laughs> <It's kind laughs> such as the uh, recession. Um, but I think um, you know, advertising has gone down. We've we've passed through the the quadrennial effect, which is the all lots of events lining up at once. All oh, right, like elections and uh-huh. Obamas and things mm-hmm. like this, and World Cups and Olympics all came mm-hmm. together. Um, <clears throat> so advertising is seeing a bit of a hard time people are trying to confuse they're saying well you know online we get good results so i think online advertising is seems to be reasonably okay because people know what they're getting whereas mm. broadcast is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um maybe Pretty less hard. certain um, yep. so we're looking we've got a bit of story here about uh, in the uk channel four and five um could merge now channel four I, I learned recently is a kind of a complex mix of a, a private commercial channel right but yet it has some public obligations as well as terms of its license okay so, there's so some they have funding requirements they too. have to address i guess different demographics to the bbc mm-hmm. um but they're looking there was potentially there's talk of um a, um a potential merger between four and five now they were talking about a merger between <coughs> four and bbc worldwide at one point weren't they there's a lot of stuff going around there yeah um is that because they're just not making enough money to pay for their I presume it's because the advertising has tanked that they need to... Yeah, and 4 and 5 are very much, those who are not familiar with the UK commercial broadcasting situation, there's the BBC, mm-hmm. which has a fleet of channels, named mainly the mainstays are BBC One and Two. Yeah. ITV is the 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 largest mm-hmm. commercial broadcaster in the UK, and I think that takes the light. They take more TV broadcasting than all the others put together. Right. Including okay, the so satellite the cable, ones. whatever. So they're the big uh-huh. boys. But even right. they're not doing so well, as we've right. heard about in recent years. So yep. four and five are the sort of the poor cousins. And 
you know, as you might expect. I mean, actually, the naming was almost like it's not like in Australia. I think when they have you know Channel Seven and Seven Nine and Ten, yeah. But that's because that was the UHF. It was the VHF channel. channel, Yeah, these ones because there was the next logical channel after the time they launched. So five (laughs) launched after four, right? And four launched after. Then there could be a Channel Six, but unlikely. Yeah. Well, now it's gone. (laughs) Less likely. It's gone 106 or something. So um, (laughs) and even for five when they launched five, interesting historical note. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They had to go around and retune all the VCRs in the UK. Really? Because they took over that channel. Because it was launched on, I think, UHF Channel 38, which is one of the which is VCRs we're using. So they had to go around and retune all the VCRs. Wow, that's really interesting. So if Channel Four and Five merge, does that make it like Channel Four Point Five or Forty Five? Or 45. 20. Channel 20. <laughs> They'd call themselves, well, it might be more logical, I suppose. Well, maybe it's a merging um, of equals and we channel nine. Perhaps. <laughs> a bit Australian. I mean, I'm amazed Australia hasn't launched channel nine well, over here. Is that because they bootleg all our... Pretty stuff? much. Pretty much. Actually, yeah. I think it's a shame about channel four because uh, a lot of the content on channel four is kind of a bit risky, a bit kind of fun, a bit kind of out there. You know, they try lots of stuff. They have lots of new things. They're not... Uh, mm. You know, they, they don't mind trying uh, untested programs and producers and so on, which is uh, kind of hard that they're, they're up against it. I mean, ITV have all the big main programs, you know, the yeah. big kind of chunky ones that bring in all the, uh, the uh, advertising cash. So mm. I, th- I think the challenge, from what I've heard, and I, I could be wrong here, that Channel 4 are basically saying, you know, they, because they have a public service broadcasting obligation, uh-huh. a limited one, why shouldn't they get some license funding as well? Ah, okay, don't. right. So they don't get any. But, I mean, that was right. that was the terms they signed up to when they took the yeah. license. So you know, you yep. can't you can't have it each way. Anyway, enough of that parochial English news about the business. <laughs> so, uh, technology-wise, yeah, um, we've got a story here which isn't the freshest. It might be said, um, <laughs> but about kids' remote controls, and I've mm-hmm. seen a few other operators launch kids' remote controls because mm-hmm. uh, this is one from Foxtel. They've launched the. Mini mode, the mini mode, nice. Um, and uh, I think you've got to remember that um, kids can't read mainly. Yeah, I always <laughs> kind of forget that. Yeah. So I mean, reading an EPG is a bit tricky. So on an accessibility basis, mm-hmm. they Foxtel made a remote which has got a number of features. It's got sort of direct access buttons to certain channels, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I guess the channels presumably pitched in a bit of cash to get access yeah, to Yeah, if they so, want their little logo on a button. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, lots of parents I know say, oh, they, what will they do without the cartoon network? You know, they have mm-hmm, to keep mm-hmm. it there to pacify the children. Um, it seems it has to be that case or no, they're not watching TV at all. Mm. So there's a, a dichotomy. But they also have, um, you know, you can change, turn the set-top box on and off, change channel. Uh-huh. And there's a, a star and moon button allowing parents to program additional channels on the rope. But how many parents are going to work that one out? <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I mean, actually in two minds about this because... Uh, Young kids these days who've grown up with technology from day zero mm. uh, are often, despite their inability to read, better at doing these things than their parents are. But presumably they know what they need to do to do it. But mm. is that by experimentation or are they reading? I guess so. I guess they're, not, they're, they're more willing to experiment with, with technology mm. than, than their parents are, perhaps. That's true. I mean, I know my, my, uh, not, uh, my parents-in-law, they're very wary of breaking things. Yeah, they're still thinking in an analog domain and yeah. a physical domain. Yeah, um, not so you can't break things with software. But, yeah. Um, Whereas, uh, like my uh, my nephew in Brisbane, for example, uh, is very happy to pick up remotes and play with them and press buttons until something happens, and then uh, he uh, breaks things. Yeah, breaks. <laughs> then, then he does actually put it into the fish tank. But <laughs> so it is a waterproof kids remote. So <laughs> Maybe that's what you need. But but yeah, kids are more apt to experiment with things than uh, than adults are. So maybe mm. uh, 
maybe that would work. But I mean, I think generally it's about accessibility. I mean, you mm, look true. at you know, children, obviously, there's a lot of them about, and they keep, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they're very high profile, and often they'll make a lot of kind of covert buying decisions in the family. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a that's a niche which is being targeted. I know Sky in the UK have got a kind of an elderly remote with like a so you can't if you you know you get arthritis in your fingers mm. you can't really move them so quickly and balancing a remote on your hand is tricky right. to press it with the other right. hand and so they have a kind of a tablet thing is it no, they have like a a grip around the back so Ooh, it's like cool. a, a handle right <laughs> so it won't you can't you can put it in one hand but if you can't grip very well it's uh, not going to fall right, off right, your right, hand right, while you're you, right. pressing the buttons because the, the buttons one. are bigger as well so you can I think they're supposed to have you know bigger text or something uh, that's pretty cool didn't look that different to me but um, and essentially they've done that it's the same remote it's just the rubbery back thing mm. it's different it's, it's actually an interesting problem because in some EPGs in the world uh, they've used symbols uh, more overt symbols for channels because again illiteracy uh, adults or different languages yeah, or, yeah. yeah absolutely I guess and people yeah recognise that's why it's good to have a, a channel identity or a logo on the screen because mm. if you can't read the name you might yep. know what it is Although, interestingly, when I was in uh, Egypt over Christmas, it's the first country I've been to, I'm sure I'll be correct on this, but it's the first country I've been to where their numbering systems not being our numerical symbols for numbers, like their number five is different, their number seven is different. Well, it's like more things or... No, seven is like a V and, and uh, eight is like things? a... Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> I, thought I thought we used Felician. the Arabic numbering system, but yeah. apparently not. So, uh, the number... It's differently. It's different in China as well. Actually, they have like oh, dot, really? dots and lines. And really, that's interesting because they tend they tend to intermingle them. So. Yeah, because the only thing I was able to cope with in China when I was there on my own on a business trip was in a taxi. I could see the actual normal numerical numbers ticking over in the taxi. I knew what to do <laughs> at that point. No, but they don't tend to. Yeah, I mean, but in written form, you'll get dots and lines. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. There you go. There we go. Okay, so uh, learn every day. So content delivery mm-hmm. and yet another content provider delivering stuff over the open internet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is this, this is uh, Blockbuster. Yeah, now this is interesting because Blockbuster is working with the Sonic Solutions team. Yeah. Uh, and and Sonic owns Cinema Now. Ah, right. Okay, they picked it up for a cheap yeah. price by the sound of it. But I guess Cinema Now doesn't have the same brand awareness as Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Blockbuster is working with Sonic to produce... And the ability to deliver content over the internet on a multitude of platforms, right? Uh, which is this is this is fantastic because the, the two companies are collaborating with a host of consumer electronic manufacturers, including Sonic's existing Cinema Now providers, mm-hmm. uh, to expand the ecosystem of interoperable devices. Blah blah blah. But it includes PCs, portable music players, DV, uh, Blu-ray disc players, PVRs, set-top boxes, mobile okay. phones, all sorts of stuff. And I think this is this is uh, interesting that they're. Uh, looking at how many devices they can get this stuff onto as opposed mm. to saying you must have a you know magic blockbuster box to use this service and they've or nothing got the else. Sonic you know, I guess I think they bought Cinema Now quite recently they've come out with a new Cinema Now SDK oh cool so that's where you, that's how you get it to, right so it, that makes it easy helps, for you to port it well allegedly this will, <laughs> well, this will help streamline the introduction of blockbuster digital entertainment service onto mm-hmm. a wide variety of devices Mac um, and Windows James yeah, you'll be pleased to see exactly um, fantastic although if it's Mac enabled, then it's only Macs. Yes. <laughs> so it's not particularly a wide variety. Anyway, <laughs> but I guess it's um, what isn't clear here is the, you know, what kind of DRM is being used. Because they have mm, mentioned ele- electronic, se- electronic sell-through. Things right. like that. So that'll be interesting. I guess they're just saying we're flexible. We'll use whatever you like. Mm. Um, so that's kind Do of, Sonic Solutions have their own kind of DRM or is it? Mm, 
Well, I don't know. Well, Sonic Solutions, I knew, I know uh, um, they made the like Roxio things for doing DVD recording, DVD recording and Sonic were known okay. for their DVD authoring. That's right. Yeah, that's so right. So Apple yeah. DVD Studio and then there was Sonic. So uh-huh. one of the two. So Sonic's obviously diversifying into content delivery thinking mm-hmm. you know, they can mm-hmm. get away with that. Um, cool. This is a forward-looking statement. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see how that goes because I think, um, you know, as we're seeing people stopping uh, or cutting down on going out and having expensive dinners, uh, going to the cinema, but more staying in, ordering pizza, watching a, you know, watching a DVD or watching yeah, something yeah. on their TV, then uh, maybe it's the right time for this kind of thing. Well, I mean, I think just delivering stuff to lots of devices over the internet is has got to be a winner, isn't it? As long as the price is right. Exactly. And it's, and easy. it's easy. It's got to be easy. It's got to be very easy. Yep. Yep. And... And the other thing I was thinking about this the other day, I mean, there's a very different approach to, um, I don't know if you've looked through VOD catalogues. Do you have VOD at home? Mm, no, I've got Sky Anytime, which is not quite the Yeah, but I mean, Sky Anytime is more manageable because it's not as much content mm. on your DVR disc. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, um, if I'm going to a VOD catalogue, I've probably got something in mind. Yes. Uh, and you've got this dichotomy between needing to search for something. Mm-hmm. If you're searching, you know what it is. Yep. And you search for it through the search interface and it's either got it or he or it mm, hasn't and you go, mm, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Or you've <laughs> got, you know, 10,000 bits of content mm-hmm. which are difficult to browse through. Right, so you need some way of browsing and some way well, of if you searching. Want to, yeah, if you want to browse, you want to browse. And if you mm. want to search, you want to search. Mm. You want to have to, both, but, mm. you know, the way I think about browsing the genres are... It's a lot easier to just walk up and down the video store, which doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Does it? So it is. But I mean, that, that, that's well, there is actually one in Putney that I've been to. They still have VHS tapes, even, which gives you some idea of its kind of vintage. But uh, Are you sure you, it's not a front? It could be, you know. <laughs> Strange place, you know. Uh, the, but I guess what I'm saying is that uh, in a video store, you can take in a lot of information yeah, all yeah. at once just by scanning your head, seeing all the titles, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was well, a movie I never watched. We've seen user interfaces which kind of do that. Mm hmm. But then I think people own the rights to the cover art for all these things as well. Probably, so you've got, yeah. you know, it's like if you own the rights to distribute a film digitally, you don't own the rights for the cover art. True. And so you have to get it from somewhere as well. So. True. You know, something interesting, I, for the first time, I actually used the cover flow thing on my iPhone because uh-huh. it was an album. Well, actually, it was on random song play and it came out with some song that I really liked, but I couldn't remember what it was. Right. But I did glance at the actual album art that was on at the time. Okay. And so I went, okay, well, I can find that by looking for the album art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can obviously, you you can remember pictures much better than you can. Yes. Well, I didn't even take notice of what the song was about. What, what, the, what the studio who produced all yeah, the was record like, was label. Kind of what record label was that? Well, let me, no, no, Some no. sort of orange thing with a thing and the thing and then I could scan through and, oh, that's it. So, yeah. you know, the, that kind was of... Was it a recognisable song that you had known? Mm, no. 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 It was pretty obscure. <laughs> it was a cool song, so. Okay. Well, so I know that was, was, yeah, that was when you're ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you right. could remember, but you could redraw us a picture. It wouldn't work I could, on the podcast. I could. No, um, so, uh, content delivery, good for them. So, we'll hopefully... Blockbuster stroke Cinema Now stroke Sonic. Do something mm-hmm. good with that. Sounds very interesting. Um, gaming. Mm-hmm. Moving swiftly on. Um, now, we were talking about 3D stuff we last were, time. Were, and uh, with your CES hat on, you were checking out all the 3D, 3D action going on there. And did I see any 3D? I mean, here we're going to talk about World of Warcraft has got a 3D patch. And I know NVIDIA, who's one of the leading... 3D cards for PCs mm-hmm. has been working and working with game developers for a long time on using their 3D graphics pipeline. Mm-hmm. And the picture you've got here looks stunning. It's just a blurry <laughs> person with a blurry thing. <laughs> Is it a blurry wolf? Anyway, it's something you from need, World you need of your, um, You need your 3D glasses on. Where are my anagliptic specs when I, <laughs> when I need them? Um, 
And this allows you to, if you're playing World of Warcraft, you can use NVIDIA's 3D imaging and actually... Uh, Basically, it's the rendering side. I think it's just it? rendering from two different perspectives. So you, I mean, right. essentially, that's what it needs to do, a plug into the video card so you render two different images and you... Uh-huh. You do something, you process them in some way. So Right, so it must take a lot of processing to be able to... It's just basically double the graphics pipeline, isn't it? So right, okay, just doubling. Right, fine. Well, double, no, well, double the frame rate. Yeah, double the frame... Well, well at least, at least double the, the processing. Rate, you know, you yeah, yeah. basically yep, do yep. two lots of processing and just put the images on screen in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says that uh, you, can, uh, you can see the whole depth of field effect, although text might be somewhat difficult to read. Yeah, this is one of the challenges. <laughs> what does, does that mean the uh, text kind of floats there somewhere? And the only requirements are the $200 glasses, 120 hertz LCD monitor, which is pretty tricky to get LCD monitors with, I, with high After refresh your rates. recommendation before Christmas, I went yeah. looking around, I went, oh, okay, I need a 120 hertz monitor so I can do my 3D action yeah. later on. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get gaming monitors. I think TVs. Oh, is that what you have to do? Okay. I, did, I mean, I did see some, I was watching some post-CS follow-up and some... Like Toshiba, I think, had 120 hertz. Okay, stuff. Toshiba, so they were, right, right. Because it, um, and they were doing some stuff where they were going, they were using 120 hertz to basically, between the 60 hertz frames, we're going, going down to black and back out again. Right. To try and clear your optic nerves out. Crikey. <laughs> because there's persistence in your optic mm. nerves. Yeah, of course. So if they go to black, you get a bit of black, and then it's, mm-hmm. so it seems crisper and brighter. I was actually talking to the analog uh, rods and cones have a bit of an issue with it. They, they, yeah, they're a bit slow off the slow off the market. Not as slow as the LCD TVs. <laughs> I was actually talking to uh, one of the product managers at uh, at Sky the other day about 3D, and I learned some mm. interesting facts about how uh, the three current theories about how you get mm. uh, 3D to people. And the first is uh, the uh, it's uh, checkerboard, you, and there's oh, you're in a you're in a totally different realm from me. I'm like at the high level. <laughs> you're anagliptic <laughs> and polarized and shutters. Yes, polarized, polarized. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the one that wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Although it's obviously going to be less bright because you, you're you wearing sunglasses. In, so yeah. um, but uh, and the other one is where you're actually you know you've essentially got an LCD shutter to make sure the right yeah, eye see at the right specs, time. Basically, exactly. So that's why they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other one is. Uh, the ones we've seen, you know, those 3D screens you can see yeah, without the red glasses. red and blue. What's all the or red and green, the anaglyptic ones. Oh, is that with different colours? Yeah, yeah, different colours. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you kind of lose colours. You that lose point. a lot. I mean, it goes almost black and white, as I've, I've yeah. said before. Not which one. But I think this one here seems to be... That must be with magic It must be. They must be powering the screen at 120 hertz. Yep. And, and then having shutter glasses. alternate frames, which sync mm-hmm. up with the shutters. Mm-hmm. So. But the interesting thing I learned was that uh, in terms of the actual broadcast, because these are all kind of, you know, broadcasting mm-hmm. dudes, uh, they're actually just playing out a 1080i 50, uh, 50 frames a second mm. or 50 interlaced frames a second picture signal. So as far as they're concerned, it's just a video they're playing out. Yeah. And it's all up to the TV, the other end to go, ooh, this is actually a left eye versus a, versus a right eye. Is it 1080p and they're interlacing it? No, it's 1080i. And they're using, so obviously... So I mean, i60 and doing 30 frames per second. Yeah, it's, it's actually 50. So okay, 25. 1080i, 50. And they're taking those two interlaced frames and making one of them left eye and one of them right okay. eye as opposed to interlacing yeah. them on so the screen. I think that's one of the challenges in the standards at the moment is how you signal the set that, hey, this is in 3D. Yeah, exactly. And equally, if it's... If I say, but I'm not a 3D TV, which presumably is going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to still display normally otherwise. Yep, exactly. Unless uh, you have a 3D channel, I suppose. Like HD, you can't see on an SD TV. Well, this is, so. but even so, the box needs to know, oh, it's an HD channel, I need to switch to AT. So there's descriptors still, for that. That's just metadata. So well, there exactly. Are, are there there's no descriptors for 3D yet. So yeah. there you go, there's an opportunity. DVB, get your skates on. There we go. <laughs> right. Um, so mobile. mobile. Moving on to mobile A. Um, 
This is your story about confused consumers. What's going on there? Well, I'm a bit confused. I have to read the article. <laughs> um, I think this is just generally saying that um, people find it hard to use advanced phones. And how many people do you know who've, you know, a lot of people have got the iPhone mm-hmm. as a fashion accessory. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it is a fashion item, a phone to some extent. It's like it is, absolutely. Unless, absolutely. You know, obviously, the geeks and stuff are saying, oh, look at this. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, setting up a phone, a new mobile phone should get no longer, should take no longer than 15 minutes. But I think it takes 15 a, minutes. That's too long. That's, you know, you want to. Well, I mean, I think an iPhone is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But that's assuming you've you've got a computer and assuming you've got all these things. If you if you True. haven't got it, you know, essentially it's just a phone that doesn't do much else. I suppose. Well, maybe it mm. would, but it's um, you have to be adventurous. It's like you know how many of us go out and buy a toaster and don't use the bun warming all rack. The, you know? All the veggie buttons. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, this is the, this is the hard nobody thing. Nobody reads the manual these days, and it's a smartphone needs a smart person. True. I would say really. Well, I think you can make it easy enough to use, but uh, a lot of these companies, and I'd say Samsung is completely to blame here. Mm. Uh, add tons of features like email and web browsing and mm. all sorts of stuff into their phones but it's so virtually unusable that you never actually use it you know actually bother like, I was watching one of the you know channel Will Harris who does the channel flip TV mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he, he did a review of some Samsung phone and he said you know the UI is really good but unfortunately it's running on Windows Mobile so right. for some of it you've got a nice UI and then you've got to go back to Windows Mobile with your stylus and look at the little screen and <laughs> press buttons and stuff and you're just saying you know, that's you know, bits crazy. of it were done well but yeah. under, unfortunately because it, you have yeah. to go back to the Windows interface yep. it just didn't work so and so the sad thing is if you're not buying it on kind of you know fashion accessory basis then you're buying it on feature basis and yeah. you get you know you, no one spends more than 5, 10, 15 I don't know how many minutes in a in a shop making a decision about a phone yeah and, I, and actually I did hear someone recently who in the UK who said they worked for I think car phone warehouse or something and said that they're literally mm-hmm. no one is buying any new phones credit time wow and so it was some ridiculous thing like in the southeast they'd only sold four in, oh, crikey, in one, in one really? week it was like ridiculous wow for new contracts but then it must be a fairly mature market here in the uk you know, yeah who's got a phone has got a yeah. phone and anyone that's buying one is buying it for the fashion accessory yeah. basis or some new functionality and they're probably speaking less texting less yeah absolutely because they're feeling the squeeze yep um and yep. they're probably the networks aren't giving them free phones anymore so yeah well, that's there true. You Mind you, Vodafone do keep calling me saying, um, do you want to go on contract and save well, yourself lots of money? And I say, I'm busy right now. Can you call me back tomorrow? And they never call me back. So. <laughs> there we go. Um, we're also going to talk a bit in mobile about apps on the Apple phone, mm-hmm. on the iPhone, whatever. Um, there are a few, bizarrely, some web browsers appear to have mm. appeared. But I'm not sure these are. I mean, looking at the, the details here, basically... Mm-hmm there's this theory that Apple won't allow you to put any apps on the App Store which compete directly with their products. Uh-huh. And there have been examples of some that have been pulled, like, like email and... Email podcast readers and stuff. But mm-hmm. one of these, like Edge Browser, is essentially... It's, is it a complete browser? I'm not sure it is. It basically... You know, if you look at the browser on the iPhone, there are some navigation left, right, and stuff at the bottom. Right. Basically, this allows you to browse without them. So okay. it, it doesn't sound like a, a browser to me. And so these seem to be basically tweaks on the existing mm. WebKit browser. It's in there to remove yeah, all right. various pieces. So they're like plugins in I a way. See. I mean, if, if they had uh, Opera and like mini Opera there, yeah. then that would definitely be a kind of break from the past because that's, uh, I know Opera wasn't allowed in the past. But and Opera, Opera does Mini's, some server-side processing, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's how Opera Mini works in that, mm. and that's how I eventually got web browsing working properly on my Samsung in that you download a Java applet, mm. 
and then it does server-side compression of all the HTML and the graphics as well yeah. and just sends as a small amount as possible to your phone. Right. So your web browsing experience is much, 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 much quicker because it's just sending small amounts of stuff yeah, as opposed to having page, to download yeah. all pages. But it still doesn't work with Flash. Mm, no. no. So, uh, uh, and so you can not get it yet for the iPhone. Mm. So if they did that, then I'd, I'd believe they kind of changed their mind. But um, I think you're right. I think those... You know, the WebMate tabbed browser doesn't sound like a whole new browser to me. It sounds like a browser with tabs. But uh. and yeah, I mean, I think I, one thing I have seen on the App Store recently is a lot of the the apps. If you actually take the chance to read the reviews, a lot of them yeah. say this is rubbish. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's good the reading application reviews. lies. Yeah. I mean, this is worth nothing. Or go here. There's a, there's a free thing that does the same. You know, so I which is what you'd expect, I suppose. Yeah. But it does show it's a, it's somewhat more open marketplace than people have mm. you know been led to believe. Which is good. And there's like. Gazillions of apps, aren't there? Tens of thousands of applications. Now we, we were just looking at an app before this um, called Ocarina, which is mm. like this. I think we talked about it a bit before, but I haven't seen it. You, mm. You've had a little play with it, and it is quite a good, well, flute. <laughs> yeah, it's like a flute, isn't it? It's a flute. It's an, it's you, a, you use your phone as a flute, and you blow into the microphone and hold it like a flute in a bizarre way, press a few things on the top. You can but play the cool tunes. thing. I mean, and well, I can't play tunes because I'm musically <laughs> inept. But, but, he, uh, but the thing is, you don't need to be musically clever. I mean, it's. Yeah, you know, the, there's four dots on that you actually press with your fingers, and you can download, or you just look on a web page for like song sheets. Song sheets, effectively, yeah. which is little pictures of which which buttons that to press. That assumes I can look at the pictures and press the buttons at the same time. Yeah, that assumes that amount of coordination. <laughs> but you, you play games, you'll be fine. I could probably manage this. Um, but, uh, but the cool thing was the visualization of what other tunes people are currently playing mm, around the world, and there's mm. like a 3D picture of the globe with music spiraling out of it in a very bizarre great they can go and listen in order other people's attempts at playing yeah. well they're playing silent night silent or something. night jingle bells <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was amusing it's mm. kind of thing you could just it's browse cool. around and you yeah. could see that you weren't the only dork in the world <laughs> that was playing. Oh, i didn't download it much, so there we go. <laughs> yeah i downloaded it <laughs> so that's ocarina it's by small i think that's pretty cool um let's have a look at that now other wacky stuff mm. now i thought this was i know it's unusual um, mm-hmm. An eight-year-old boy has become the first, the world's youngest IT professional, after passing an exam with Microsoft. Now, to be fair, this guy's quite clever. He was what was he doing? He was at the age of. Um, well, he's been fascinated by physics and astronomy. Yeah, and he wasn't worried about the Big Bang experiment because he'd already worked it out. <laughs> or something like that. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so he is now the world's youngest certified computer system administrator. Pretty or impressive, presumably. But I mean, didn't they just say, well, we'll just turn it all off and turn it on again? That's, that's, that's pretty much the that, only That's the last question. Yeah. So what do you do if none of the previous things work? <laughs> turn it off, turn it on again. <laughs> so he, uh, he'd like to be a computer scientist when he grows up and create a new yeah. operating system. But he learned to read and write at the age of two. So okay, so he's clearly he, a genius from the start. He does not need a kid's remote, does he? Uh, no, this is, this is one kid that doesn't need a kid's remote. He'd mm. probably teach his parents so, how to do everything. Well done, Marco. Um, yep, good work. I'm sure Microsoft will offer you a job before you're, <laughs> I'm before, sure they will. Before you're nine. <laughs> in fact, I think he's, he's slated to be the next CEO. And where's, where's he did, Where's he live? He's in Macedonia. In Macedonia. Skopje? Skopje? It's got too many consonants and not enough vowels for me, yeah. so I'll leave you with your pronunciation. I, actually, I must... Have you ever played Scrabble? You must have? Yes. I once, at Christmas, I put all the letters down at once. No. First time ever. Wow. Yeah. That's... I was. I was impressed. <laughs> have you been playing Scrabulous on Facebook? For I haven't. Though. Maybe I should take it out. But I mean, I mean, that was a world first for me. That's pretty impressive. I can, I can probably remember the day and the hour. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that was a, that was really exciting. Other news. Um, so 
Here endeth Couch 100. That's amazing. <laughs> so when, when did we start? Like kind of June 2006, I think we worked out. 2006. Yeah. Went, uh, we went live to the public in September of 2006. Yeah, and once we warmed up after 18 episodes. Practiced, got it right. We still make mistakes along the way, <laughs> but we get there. Yeah, actually most of our lapses in recording have been holidays, hmm. but most of them have been due to technical difficulties. Hmm. To be fair, hmm. um, that's true. Because it's not as easy as it might seem. Yes. Um, and those of you who haven't listened for a while, probably note that we hopefully have improved the audio recording. Indeed, since um, the very beginning, I listened to a few episodes at the beginning a little while back, and uh, yeah, I think we've definitely, definitely improved. That's marks. great. I still heavy breathe occasionally. Ah, uh, uh, well, that's what editing editing. That's for. sitting on the couch with the MVP. There you go. So, <laughs> it's all good. On that note, uh, it's goodbye from me, James. See you in one hundred and one. And it's goodbye from Ian. Cheers. Bye.